Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of A Practical Spirit. Um, yeah, I've realized that I've been avoiding talking about practical techniques that I've been using to discover my spirituality uh, because I don't think of myself as a teacher and I'm not in an official trained way. Uh, so what I've decided I'll do is I'll is um, to reference the people I've learned off. And, uh, you know, if you find that you're interested in the ideas or the techniques that I talk about, then, um, <clears throat> then you know, you can find them on the internet. They are, I think most of them uh, that I know of are, are all have their own websites and do, you know, like online courses and things like that, because that's mainly how I access a lot of my um, work. Uh, there are a few few things I go to in person, um, but not often because uh, I don't have a, a huge amount of money to uh, to spend on it. <clears throat> Which isn't isn't to say it's not worth it. Just that uh, you know we live in a practical world, and part of spirituality is is being able to to do that. I think um, so. I'm learning to be much more. Uh, I guess balanced with the way that I use money um, and I consider that a part of my spiritual practice I mean basically when you get down to it I think um, and and this is something I, I kind of maybe have romanticized uh, through my love of kung fu movies and in particular stories about samurai um, but I always remember watching those films as a young person uh, and then talking about um, their code which is Bushido um, and that's mainly and, and mainly that's about bringing your presence and fullness uh, and committing to whatever you're doing a hundred percent and that is uh, anything from stirring a pot of soup to writing your name to painting a picture to fighting with your enemy or, or your opponent. I mean, enemies are, I think, a more Western idea. No, it's not actually this, but that exists in the East as well. So, um, but uh, you know, to to bring this all, this this spirit, this body, this mind, all to the fullness of the moment with whatever you do. And what always used to capture my imagination about this in particular was. Um, basically the idea of dying. So in uh, a samurai's good death is to be fully present um, and in that moment without avoiding it or trying to run away from it or hide from it, um, which externally looks like engaging in combat, but internally is, is to be present right through every millisecond of the ending of your human body. Um, which I, I'm fascinated by and um, and sort of hope that I'll have the courage and presence to be able to do that myself when I uh, leave this body, uh, whatever that looks like. Um, I think a big part of spiritual practice is, is also this um, living life, engaging with it fully uh, and, in you know, remembering that you're finite, 
Um, I think I was just thinking today, if we were immortal, we would probably just spend of all our time watching Netflix because uh, it's really the preciousness and the finiteness of what we have, um, which gives us the courage, I think often, well, gives me the courage. I'm going to take us away and talk about myself. Um, gives me the courage to put myself out into places where I'm afraid, uh, unsure, um, not in control, all of the things that take, take away from our humanity, I think. Um, I allow myself to be vulnerable, engage with, I don't know what's going to happen, or I don't know what's going to be, um, and open myself up to every possibility that's available instead of deciding that has to happen this way. Um, and I think uh, being having a life which is full of challenge, or has been full of challenges, and um, on occasion, uh, stark reminders about my own mortality uh, has helped me to do that. I'm not suggesting that you put yourself in harm's way or that you, you know, um, engage in an activity that, that sort of could uh, cost you your life. That's exactly not what I'm <laughs> advocating in any way. But it's the presence and remembering that our lives are finite and that death comes to us all, hell, I think, is a, is a way of remembering how precious it is, this gift that we have that is life. Um, and again, I was thinking thinking about this on the way home as I was cycling back from work, thinking, uh, you know, my spirit is not my body, and it is only in the domain of my body that I have senses. So to be able to feel, to taste, to touch, um, and it's not really surprising that we are sensual um, hedonists, really, when we're unconscious and not and not focused on a, on a purpose that's higher than just being engaged with our senses. Uh, because if it is true that our our spirit goes on to something else. Um, or if you believe in reincarnation, that it, it comes back again and again, then it must have an awareness of how incredibly amazing it is to be able to taste, um, to feel the air on your skin, um, and to feel emotions. I mean, does our spirit feel emotions? I don't know, and I'm, I'm not sure it does. So... Um, you know, this sort of, it's the, it's like, ironically, the engagement with the end of our life is what gives a, gives me, the engagement with the end of my life is what gives me this precious, this sense of preciousness and uniqueness. And sometimes that can swing into the extremes of I have to make everything count, um, which is, is, again, not really the best way to, to go about it, but to uh, just surrender to the, the amazingness of what is around us in our mundane everyday existence, which is, um, which is really special. Yeah. So that, that's a bit of a sidetrack. Um, so um, on a practical level, I think um, in, in the West, what has really helped me 
um, having a Western mind um, and not being engaged with metaphor and um, illustrative language in the way that uh, my older ancestors may have been and uh, and also my ancestors from the East and other parts of the world. Uh, in terms of neuroscience and uh, sort of newer embodiment kind of so, sort of disciplines as well, um, has given me context for the older practices that I've become engaged with. Um, so I don't find I don't particularly find that there's anything unique and and new about what's coming out of the Western disciplines of things like neuroscience and embodiment. Um, it's just that they help me to contextualize um, the practices that I've learned, which have, which are in some cases thousands of years old, um, but they use a much more ephemeral way of, of languaging them, which I couldn't really connect to fully. Uh, so um, I want to start off by talking about um, our basic kind of fight flight response, which I think most people know about. Um, but I, I, I kind of think it's helpful to just talk about it for people who don't. So um, when we are engaged with an activity, uh, be that thinking or doing something at home or reading a book or anything like that, um, anything that creates excitement, anxiety, um, tension, fear, these are all triggers, triggering or sort of emotional markers or, or feeling markers um, that show that our fight flight response has been triggered. And the fight flight response is essentially um, your cortisol levels rise. Uh, which send a signal to your brain, it's cortisol and adrenaline. And if anyone knows uh, much more about this than me, feel free to correct me. Um, you can comment on the post or, or give me a shout and I'll, I'll correct, correct it. Um, so those chemicals rise in your blood. They send a signal to your brain uh, to shut down your frontal lobe, uh, which is where your intelligence, your creativity, your sort of humanness is. Um, and you work from your reptilian brain. Um, and essentially what the reptilian brain is, is it's a very primitive part of, of, your, of the mind. You, you reduce your behavior to one of three responses, which is fight, flight. Uh, so fight, flight, run away, avoid, whatever you want to call it, and play dead, freeze. Um, and your another way of noticing that this happens is your peripheral vision will close down and you'll become very blinkered in your vision. Um, and you're really only able to process one, um, uh, one significant piece of information at a time, uh, which makes it very difficult for you to respond in a, in a quick or creative way. Uh, and I think at the heart of this, um, this knowledge is if you look at uh, if you look at the spiritual practices, at least the ones I've in, I engaged with, and I, I mean I, I talk less about Christianity because I don't tend to use it practically. 
um, but they they are all talking about um, how emotion, how you use things like love to expand yourself out, um, to bring more kindness and compassion and uh, goodness into the world. Goodness being a relative term. Um, so when you're in fight flight response, you believe everyone, you tend to believe that everyone's attacking you. Uh, and it's impossible to feel things like empathy and compassion and kindness because you're trying to save yourself from imminent death uh, on a very sort of deep level. Um, so really a lot of um, things that I've engaged with have been about getting access to um, understanding and feeling the fight-flight response as it is triggered in my body. Um, originally it would be used to save us from being attacked in the wild or that sort of stuff. Um, but because the brain or the, the when we when we have a frightening thought or read something that we feel is scare creates fear in us that to the to that part of us uh, doesn't doesn't mean it isn't any different from if we were being chased down by a, a wild animal that was going to eat us so um, so it's for us consciously to recognize when that response happens uh, so that we can take steps to return ourselves back to our humanity in order to continue to act in a human way. Um, and that is, I think, in many ways at the heart of, of spiritual practice. That's what we're essentially trying to do, um, is to uh, stop the escalation of responses that cause more pain and trauma and destruction in the world um, which tend to be uh, responses that come out of things like fear. Um, and in, in the category, camp of fear, I include things like anger, hatred, resentment, all of these sort of things. Um, so, and then choose a response that comes from the camp of love, which is things like compassion, kindness, sacrifice, uh, devotion, all of those things. Um, and so spiritual practices that I engage with or read are all, I see them as uh, trying to explain to us through either stories or examples or explanations of technique um, about how we do this for ourselves and what that might look like so that we can also um, add to the, to the sort of the oceans of those of us who practice bringing the world into love versus bringing the world into fear. Um, and I mean, it could be argued because it depends on, you know, how you, how you see uh, spirituality that, um, you know, the, those of us who practice the responses of fear and hate and war and, and those sort of things, um, that's a spiritual practice too. Um, and yes, I would agree, uh, definitely from my perspective, um, because you know, the, the, what you have at the center is that of that is our ability to choose either of those responses. And you can either, as they say, feed the, 
feed the dark wolf or feed the light wolf or you know it's um what we're choosing is uh, our practice um and part of that is is allowing us to be it is basically for me trading in being non-judgmental uh, because it uh, it's not just how we treat other people and the planet but also how we treat ourselves so you can be like wonderful and kind to everyone you meet and to the world but if you're being abusive to yourself then um you're still practicing that uh darker darker side or fear-based side or whatever you want to call it um yeah so that was a bit of a ramble um but basically so we're just starting with the fight flight response um people i've learned this off um so the two people i think who clearly talk about this um one is called mark walsh uh, he works with integrating integrated integration training he's based out of brighton he does lots of embodied work and his teacher who i've also met uh briefly for a workshop paul linden who's based in columbus in the us uh they they work very clearly uh with this um response uh particularly doing stuff around centering which i'll also talk about in a later podcast because i've gone way over 10 minutes um and uh and yeah so you can look up those names and i will also probably i, I imagine i will talk more about them because their work is fascinating and it's incredibly in depth even though very very simply just you know simply presented um so if you want i can also put the links to them in comments uh, just asked for it if uh, if that's what you'd like i'm happy to do that okay so that's it for today a uh, much longer podcast cuz uh, talking about stuff I'm really excited about and um hopefully you've enjoyed this too uh hope to hear from you comments questions queries anything like that greatly received and speak to you soon bye